Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one-minute segments and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast. Hey, and I'm Rob Cabosco and Kyle. Yes, sir. You know, we it's all... <laughs> that was That's appropriate. <laughs> right? We're gonna, it's a big military show this big minute, so anyway... Show. Um, you know, look at everybody enjoys healthy rivalries and emphasis on the word healthy. Maybe it's your high school teams or your colleges, professional sports teams, maybe mm-hmm. even teams like uh, AFC Richmond and Crystal Crystal Palace oh, FC. Little, little shout out, little shout out to our to our Ted Lasso fans. OK, but I would say anyone who has been a member of the armed forces, I know sp- sp- uh, specifically for uh, here in the United States and abroad, there are rivalries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and we've been talking about the music, which we're going to have more of today because it's featured so prominently in this minute. But the music and the rivalries between the different branches of service, there is always a moment I always think of from a movie whenever I think of this. And that movie is 1983's The Right Stuff. Hmm. There is a scene in that movie. And if I think we probably mentioned this in season two. The Right Stuff's a great uh, Tom Wolfe's uh, novel turned into a movie back in the 80s. It's now a National Geographic miniseries. But the original 83 movie is just fantastic. Amazing cast. There is a moment in that movie where the astronauts in their preparation for being selected have to go through a variety of insane medical procedures. And one of those procedures is that they have to produce a certain specimen of themselves to present for analysis. And Gordon Cooper, who's played by Dennis Quaid, he has been given it. He's not looking forward to going to the bathroom and having to provide the specimen. But when he goes in there, he knows that Alan Shepard, uh, who is played by Scott Glenn, is already in one of the bathroom stalls. And as he prepares to get himself ready to produce the specimen, they they partake in a hum off of their <laughs> respective branches of services theme song. So. It's it's him trying to sing the Air Force theme versus the Marine Corps theme. And it always just makes me laugh so much because it's totally ridiculous. It's a nice little tribute. And I think anyone who's been in the armed, armed services and, and we thank everyone for their service, of course, mm-hmm. they kind of kind of get a chuckle out of that because they know they rib each other. I mean, like this is all part of that. It always just makes me think of this. I thought about it when I was watching this minute. Oh, I can't wait to talk about the details in this. It's amazing. I, I remember uh, one of the, my favorite rivalries that that we've seen on screen was actually from A Few Good Men, uh, because in that uh, we <laughs> you have uh, Marines who are, as they say, very serious about being Marines, uh, and so they down there and uh, Tom Cruise and his group are from the Navy. And right. so they're coming down to visit. And so as Lieutenant Kendrick says, um, no, I like all you Navy boys. Every time we've got to go someplace and fight, you fellows always give us a ride. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, that, you know, and, and as I worked with a, a guy who is um, Army, he had, he had, and this was his first civilian job. So he had just off it, too. And he had very strong feelings about all the other <laughs> yes. branches that he was not in because he was he was infantry. Uh, so he had, he was, uh, you know, as army as you can be. Uh, and so, yeah, he had a lot of things to say to tell me about what he thought of the Air Force and the Navy uh, and the Marines, <laughs> which I will not repeat because the, <laughs> I am not a member of any of them. So same here. Exactly right. We but have nothing but, a, they are but respect. Like, it's like nobody punches my brother but me. That's that same kind of thing. Like, I don't I don't. 
get involved no, in, no, no. In, in between. But it's very, very funny to hear uh, how they talk about each other. Which, which, by the way, note. Have we done the intro? Have we done the intro for this? Minute? Not yet. Oh, no. oh, please, please. Because go ahead. here and we then, are. We'll at minute 95 of Iron Man 2 from 2010, director John Favreau. Uh, and we're talking about the branches of the military. So go on. And wait. Okay. So as we get into this, we just left off the last minute. He was just about uh, Justin Hammer was just introducing the, the naval drones. And here's yes. what I want to say. One of the other neat things about this segment is. The four main branches that are portrayed here, which, by the way, one is missing. If the movie yes. was made today, two would be missing. Right. And I don't know what we would have done for Space Force. I don't know. <laughs> and the other one is obviously the Coast Guard. Yeah. But I love the fact that the four are equally presented. They're presented with a I mean, it's unified. It, they've got the great graphics. They've got an amazing set of drones and they've got wonderful music. I just love I love the unity of it, how it's being presented. That's another thing I just really love about this segment. And as we get into now the Navy, I mean, mm-hmm. seeing the difference between the drones, the art direction and the yeah. creative design. Bravo, man. Yeah. This is just awesome. I believe this is uh, Ryan Mennerling from uh, the, the concept department had a lot to do with this because in the commentary, he's he's singled out because one of his innovations for all these drones is their design of the heads because that they said the heads was the most important part of it because the rest of it is just like it's just another suit, but heads because they had to make sure they didn't look like battle droids. Right. They specifically right. said they didn't want them to look like Star Wars. The battle droids, like because like with that kind of you know peaked head or whatever, so they had to have a different design that would not make you think of that because it had to be their own thing. Uh, so he like apparently that was one of his designs that came through to that. Uh, so yeah, so as we're as we're picking up, we left off in the middle of Hammer's presentation. Uh, he had just introduced the Navy, but as as it's going now, as they're rising up out of the floor, we hear "Anchors Away." So "Anchors Away" is the fight song of the United States Naval Academy and unofficial march song of the United States Navy. It's not actually the like, official name. Uh, it was composed in 1906 by Charles A. Zimmerman with lyrics by Alfred Hart Miles. Uh, when he composed Anchors Away, Zimmerman was a lieutenant and had been a bandmaster of the United States Naval Academy Band since 1887, and Miles was a midshipman first class and the class of 1907. Uh, he asked Zimmerman to assist him in composing a song for that class to be used as a football march, and it just took off. So the phrase anchors away is a report that anchors are clear of the sea bottom and therefore the ship is officially underway. So it's away, A-W-E-I-G-H, not away. So it's away. So yeah, let's see. So I have a little bit of the lyrics here. So um, uh, these are the revised lyrics from 1997 by the Master Chief. Oh, sorry. By Master Chief, Petty Officer of the Navy, John Hagen, U.S. Navy, retired, uh, which is still used today. Anchors away, my boy. Anchors away. Farewell to foreign shores. We sail at break of day. Yay, yay. <laughs> Through our last night ashore, drink to the foam. Until we meet once more, here's wishing you a happy voyage home. Aww. Now, I'm going to... Okay. Uh, one of the things I do like, if you know anything, if you know anything about America... <laughs> there, there is. I love the fact that you've got to have that little uh, drinking song sort of uh-huh. sound to that. Or if anyone doesn't know this, the Star Spangled Banner, which is the national anthem of the United States, is based on a drinking song. That's why it's so hard to sing because it's all over the place in terms of its vocal range. Right. 
So, so it, you're saying that we should all sing the anthem while we're drunk? Well, that would make some sense. <laughs> Let's all try it together. <laughs> oh, oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it is that way. Tells you a little something about the good old US of A. So, um, yeah. All right, but as soon as these as soon as the these drones then break, you know the song's playing immediately. It kicks in. If you know any, if you know the song, you immediately know what yeah. it is. Um, and I love the fact that you see the imagery again behind it. But immediately, these are different. I mean, the drones, the color is different. This looks just like the deck or the top of a, of a battleship or an aircraft carrier. Yeah, and you see on their shoulders, these are like variations of the Polaris missiles. Yes. So you you've, you've got the the missile launchers. Um, I think these are Stinger missiles, F, uh, FIM-92 Stinger missiles. Okay. And so they're kind of like the box. And why are they done like this? Because if you're on a boat and mm-hmm. you're at sea, you have to protect these from the salt water right. and the mist and everything that happens. So that's why a lot of these missile launchers look very different on an airplane than they do on a, on a naval ship. So you've got that design element. You've got the colors. You even have the big, bold insignia. These are all marked with 961. This is uh, apparently the Hammer Industries designation as a model Mm. 961 Navy drone. That's where the number comes from. And the Navy, and it's the stenciling. Like, they're they're painted exactly as you would think what the deck of of an aircraft carrier would be painted as. You know, so you've got that nostalgia. You've got that connection. It looks like it just looks like it's that marine sort of galvanized metal. And I don't know if we've mentioned this, but these are all, I think, covered in um, is it Shob Shob uh, Chobham? Chobham is the British. Uh, it's a name of a particular uh, composite armor it was developed oh. in the 1960s for uh, uh, out of British tank research. If you go and by the way, I'm getting all this stuff from the Ironman.fandom.com wiki, <laughs> which went into incredible detail outlining these. These are all except for the Air Force ones, which we'll get to. Uh, they're covered in this particular armor, but this just looks like something that should be in the water. It just is fantastic design. I love the way this looks. And like you said, the heads. Yeah, I mean, they went with a very cool the the way they got away from the battle droid design is, is that it's it's got instead of the sensor that you would normally think would be horizontal to look like a face no it's completely vertical so it immediately gives you some it gives you a different look than yeah, what you would normally like, think almost of like a like a screen of an iPhone like I mean yes. like that's the you know it's like it has one rectangular illuminated box as opposed to any type of face right and so it immediately screams robot no these I tell you what these just look phenomenal just yeah. awesome as soon as you've seen these you go well i remember seeing this movie for the first time and i remember thinking to myself oh wow they went all in like <laughs> these are different and yet they are still based on the same base model of the of the shells right but way to go design that's just awesome and next up is air force hey. uh, so as the air force drones start rising up we hear the u.s air force parentheses into the wild blue yonder so another interesting story of how the, this came about. In 1937, Assistant Chief of the Air Corps, Brigadier General Henry H. Arnold, persuaded the Chief of the Air Corps, Major General Oscar Westover, that the Air Corps needed an official song reflecting their unique identity in the same manner as the other military services and proposed a song competition. And this went on for years, and they could not pick one. But two days before the deadline, music instructor Robert Crawford, a rejected World War I air service pilot and professional musician, billed as the Flying Baritone, 
personally delivered a sound recording of his entry, which proved to be a unanimous winner. But what he delivered was a song called Army Air Corps because that's what it was called at the time in 1939. I think it was when he turned his thing in. Uh, during World War II, the service was renamed Army Air Forces due to the change of the main American Army's air arm naming in mid-1941 because of World War II. The song title changed again to agree. So in 1947, when the U.S. Air Force became a separate service, the song was then retitled again, The U.S. Air Force. But the lyrics have remained the same. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of it here. As I think everyone knows the first line, which is, Off we go into the wild blue yonder, climbing high into the sun. Here they come zooming to meet our thunder, Adam, now give him the gun. <laughs> Down we dive, spouting our flame from under, off with one hell of a roar. And actually, H E L L U V A, hell of a. We live in fame or go down in flame. Hey, nothing will stop the U.S. Air Force. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's my favorite. This, is I, it? I was just saying, of okay, all well, of the. Yeah, not just because songs? my my dad's an Air Force veteran. Sure, mine too. Just I just love. Yeah, we've we've talked about this. Before. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, I. This is my favorite one. I, I okay. really do. Yeah. When you when you ever you've heard if you ever heard a symphonic orchestral version of this, ah, I mean they're all good. They <laughs> yeah. all they all pump you up. But I I really do like this one a lot. You know who would not like to hear you say that? Oh boy, who the Marines? Well, and that's what's okay. up next. Okay, now wait before we get to the Marines, just to talk <laughs> sure, about sure. the the, Air oh, Force, the design um, of the, of the, the design of the yeah. drones. They're they're very um streamlined as opposed to the the other two. They're stealthy. They're they're designed, and again, another attention to detail. What would a drone that would spend most of its time in the air need? Stealthiness. It would need, you know, radar resistant uh, composites, Mm -hmm. angular surfaces. Um, These are equipped with, you can see they've got top firing wrist mounted guided missile launchers. There's a wrist mounted machine gun. There's also a top firing back mounted machine gun. They've got back boosters for improved flight maneuverability and a thermal vision vortex ring gun which I don't ask me to point that out to you where it actually is, but it's in the list. Um, they've got air to air missiles. I mean, I love this again. They are different, but you can absolutely see the utilitarian reasons why they're different. And, and you will see more spoiler for a later minute. We will see these in full blown action. Um, yes. And it's, and it's pretty neat again, to see how the difference is laid out and the coloring. Yeah. I'm actually looking uh, forward to, to getting into like, to be able to do that as we watch, Oh, right. uh, minute by minute to see like, oh, those are the army ones. Those are the Navy ones. Cause like it goes by so fast in the movie. No, uh, I'm looking forward to getting into that. And I love that we're taking the time now to talk, to give you kind of that preview of all these different things, because yeah. these are not just for decoration. You'll see almost every single one of these elements in action over the course of the next several minutes. Yeah. Again, I love <laughs> can't say enough how much i love this because it's just it's so well presented and and so so well realized when we've looked at those when they were crummy and and generic looking many many minutes ago yeah that's right so rob do you know who wrote the lyrics to the marines hymn no i do not uh neither do the marines <laughs> so the marines hymn is the official hymn of the united states marine corps introduced by the first director of the usmc band francisco maria scala i went with maria uh the music originates from an 1867 work by jacques 
Offenbach. Yes, that Offenbach. Uh, the lyrics were added by someone. No one really knows whether they just showed up one day. Maybe it was the doctor. Authorized by the Commandant of the United States Supreme Court in 1929, it is the oldest official song in the United States Armed Forces. And I think this is the one I think most people would know all the, at least the first verse to, is From the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli we fight our country's battle in the land on air and sea. First to fight for right and freedom and to keep our honor clean, we are proud to claim the title of United States Marine. Hooah. Very nice. <laughs> well, the Marines, and I mean, obviously that's part of the little bit of the, um, you know, you just heard that land, air, and sea, right? They're a little bit of everything. Like, the, you you have Marine pilots. There are Marine, uh, you know, in water and on land. I mean, and as you can see, as the drones come up, they've got a much more uh, sort of guerrilla warfare, hand-to-hand combat, like camouflage pattern. They're the right. ones that like you definitely stripe. feel. Yeah, you definitely feel they would be in close close combat uh, with with in terms of their design. Uh, these again with the same armor. They've got wrist-mounted machine guns, wrist-mounted missile launchers, and high definition definition cameras, which again would make sense because they're for close combat. Um, and they've also got, I believe, uh, a grenade launcher, an electromagnetic pulse, and they're equipped with electric saw blades. Ooh. Which, once again, cut through foliage, right? Yeah. Among other things, we'll see that later on. Um, So, interestingly, when Justin announces the Marines, he gives a little uh, little pelvic thrust there. Uh, And for those of you fans of uh, Key and Peel, it's only one pump. Just one pump. Uh, But yeah, all the ones, that's the sort of ones he gives a little extra English to. So yeah, so he's he's I say he's he's very pleased with himself uh, after this and and after this introduction and the reception that it has gotten. So uh, just a couple of things to note. So we we get this beautiful as those final the fourth set of drones come out. Um, we get this really beautiful like straight on wide angle shot. So we see the whole stage lit up again. The graphics, the lights. You see all the platforms there. One thing I want to note, which you can see this throughout all the four waves of these being shown. Okay, let's just give a kudo out to the CGI artists, mm, mm-hmm. because one of the great things to notice about this is when these come up and the platform stops, there's inertia. Little, yeah, in the, little, there's a little like, bit of a like, like if it was a mechanical suit, yeah. it kind of gives a little lurch. Uh-huh. Okay, way to go. <laughs> that just sells. Why is that important? It sells one the realism because that's why these look so good. They look like yeah. they're really there, and it and it sells the whole concept of of a mechanical humanoid. Yeah, I mean, and, the, and that they're not mounted, right? Like they're not like you know they're not like this is they're not they're not audio animatronics that are welded to the the, the floor like Pirates of the Car- Car- Caribbean or whatever, where they have cables coming up through the, the bottom and they can't move. Like, they, they shift a little bit as they're coming up to show that they're people standing, there are things standing on risers as opposed to mounted onto, you know, steel plates. Well, and don't forget, remind, remind all of us, these are not robots. These right. were suits that are mechanically augmented. They were originally yeah. designed to augment the user that would be inside them. So yeah. you also still would have that kind of motion and flexibility. Just brilliantly done. Brilliantly realized. Because Rob, I don't know if you know this, but uh, drone is better. Uh, dr- well, it, I mean, drone it can is better. be. It can be. 
Why don't you just put the bird? Why isn't why isn't the bird in one of these suits? <gasps> oh my gosh, he should. That'd have been amazing. Uh, so then Justin is continuing on with his presentation. The audience is going crazy. Yeah, like, they're you hear them it. yelling through the whole thing. He says, Yeah, yeah, woo. Uh, he's like, That's a hell of a lot better than some cheerleaders, let me tell you. And he's like, Oh, shot he's, at Tony. And you know what? He ain't wrong. He's, I was just going to say, He's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Pepper, we go to uh, Pepper and Natasha and Pepper's got Pepper's got the look on her face that you don't want Pepper yeah. to be giving you because right. she's not very happy right now. No. Uh, so she's so Justin continues on. But as revolutionary as the technology is, there will always be a need for man to be present in the theater of war. And then as we as he's talking about this, we cut to a grainy black and white footage and we see that Ivan is looking out essentially through the eyes of one of the drones. Now I would I'm trying to figure out I think it's from a marine because of the angle that right. he's looking. So I think he's from one of those he's looking out and and so like basically you see the very rough telemetry he sees from inside the the drone's POV uh, and he's you know uh, doing the thing that Hollywood has struggled with since the 90s trying to make typing look interesting. <laughs> well you do get and there is no uh, when you look at the point of view um, it is interesting that it's not in full color. It looks mm-hmm. it looks like a like a security camera, right? For, for they probably had to use off the shelf stuff, you know. Right? He's not using anything crazy right here, uh, and that I think there's a little bit of a. I think that kind of alludes to maybe Justin. You know, I, I think there's a reason for that in terms of the in terms of the tech design because yeah. it's a shoddy sort of view, meaning that Justin at the end of the day didn't really care about the experience of the user. True. Like when True. you know what I mean? Like yeah. and, and regardless of what the helmet was going to be or anything like that, a grant he's he's replaced the helmets now with these drone heads. But right. I, I just I I kind of take a little bit of that, like, oh, you know, this shows that we haven't spent a whole lot of money on the actual, you know, visual synthesis. We're spending it a lot more on the on the weaponry. Um and then yeah, we get this great shot. We know that it's Ivan's hands because we see the yeah. tattoos and then it cuts to right. his uh, his face. Where do you think Ivan is at that point? He's in a dark room. Is he I there? Wanna, I want to say no, I want to say he's. I may or may not know. No, I want to say he's still. He's still. In, he's still in Hammer Industries. He's still. You think he's still back in Hammer? Yeah, because he's. He's got a, a lot of distance to travel. True. To get there in time, because he's going to be there in I don't know ten minutes. Right. He may. Because at may, this point, we're kind of in, almost in real time. Right. But I would assume that he will have some sort of augmented way to get to there. Okay. And his computer, because because he's. Because we've seen his hands and we see that shot of him just looking like he's normally dressed, his whole interface is there. Like, I can't imagine he's got a, a mobile interface oh. to these drones. Okay. That's my assumption. <laughs> I say I don't have any I'm just curious what you thought. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, then Justin continues on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today, I am proud to present to you the very first prototype in the variable threat response battle suit, or VTRBS. Mm. And it's pilot, and that's where the minute ends. Oh, like right at that point, right at that word, we don't get to find out who the pilot is because he stops the minute stops right there after he says the word pilot. I got to tell you something. I know we've talked about the minute endings are like they're brilliant in this yeah. movie. Kudos. I mean, I know it was the algorithm, but you know what? I don't care yeah. because we had so much to talk about. I I can't wait to talk about who's ever in this suit. <laughs> that he has 
That's right. And Who, who's suit? wearing the VTRBS? Well, I am not familiar with the VTRBS. Yeah, they just made drones. I don't know uh, where did this the suit come from. And knowing Justin Hammer, it may be heavy on the BS and less on the VTR. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. For crying out loud. But uh, as we're about to see a grand unveiling of a, an incredible new suit, uh, perhaps you'd like to do some upgrading of your own wardrobe. And oh. you can do so over at our merch store. Yes, that's right. Nextreel has its own merch. So nextreel.com slash merch, you can find t-shirts, you can find uh, things to decorate your house, you can find stickers, you can find pillows, you can find uh, mugs, all kinds of things uh, with logos of many of our uh, popular shows on there. Show your love for the Barfly Minute or one of your other podcasts and um, kick a couple ducats over to us. Help us keep the lights on because bandwidth ain't free, folks. True. So we'll be back to find out who the mysterious VTRBS pilot is uh, in minute 96. So you don't want to miss it. Enough said. Bye.